Matt Walsh once asked the question that was heard around the world, what is a woman? Come to find out, a woman is an adult human female. Who knew? Today, I'm going to be asking the question, what is a man? The world offers conflicting views on what being a man is all about. Some saying being a man requires grit, square-jaw determination, and a working knowledge of weaponry, and preferably rock-solid abs. Others say manliness is about getting in touch with one's feelings, caring for the less fortunate, and being sensitive. Still, others would include leadership skills, a good work ethic, physical stature, or riches. Can these things truly define masculinity, or is there another standard? Welcome to another episode of the No Matter the Cost podcast. We are on the Unashamed series. Today, we are going to be talking about biblical masculinity. So, what do you guys think about biblical masculinity? I think, uh, what does God think about it? Wow. <laughs> Insightful already, man. We're hitting it today. Yeah. Um, I have a question. Let's just start it out with that. Uh, what does a real man, in your guys' opinion, just give me one quality characteristic of what a real biblical man looks like? I think from a biblical perspective, you, I mean, it would be someone who leads their family and is the clear leader of the family. I mean, the physical traits and everything you just mentioned, none of that. I mean, you want to be healthy, but none of that really matters as far as like, you know, whether or not you're leading your family biblically or not to me. So I think it's just, are you following the Bible and are you setting a good example for your family? So I think the perfect image of masculinity is Jesus. And he kind of laid that out as he was the shepherd, but yet tender and protective, though, at the same time. Yeah, I'd say someone who's caring and compassionate. That's one thing that comes to mind, which is a little bit of opposite of kind of what our culture thinks about masculinity. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. Caring and compassionate is kind of, def- it's definitely countercultural. Um, whenever I think of masculinity, um, honestly, one of the main people I think of um, is Samson from the Bible. Um, like, he's the he's the manly man. He's the strong one. He is, the, you know... He can do it all, right? And everybody looked, you know, Samson, everybody looked up to him. And I think that um, sometimes we think of as a manly man, as someone they, that people look up to, they can trust, they're dependable, they're strong, they have all the, they have all the qualities that that, that brings. Um, but sometimes we don't think of a man and, and the way of uh, a man who is a biblical Christian man um, is one man, as a man who can follow who can control his emotions and passions. And I think that that's one of the downfalls of a lot of men, Christian men, is, man, whenever we're, when we're really, when we really want to love something or we really, something of this world even, um, sometimes it's hard to control our passions and our emotions about those things of the world. So, Yeah, going back to your Samson example there, you know, yeah, he was the, you know, perfect picture of what we think masculinity is, but he also had a lot of flaws to himself too. Like you said, controlling your passions, like he was very promiscuous and um, how he acted and stuff. And so, I mean, I mean, how many wives did he have? And eventually, um, was it Delilah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Delilah. You know, kept asking, you know, what's the source of your strength? And he's like, oh, it's this, oh, it's this, it's this. And then eventually he's like, yeah, this is what it is. You got to cut my hair and then, you know, I'll lose my strength. And so, I mean, he you know, he had flaws of his own, you know, so he wasn't He's able dumb. to control his passions. And you know. that, that story always boggled my mind. Like, dude, obviously 
she's trying to get you like what are you doing dude like she's out to get you use your brain <laughs> so yeah um i was thinking that uh sean you mentioned how jesus was a protector i think you said that over, yeah. over the sheep he was tender yet protective right protective yeah. um but you know i think that we think protector and we think that that we associate that with masculinity and I think that's true, but I think most of the time we think of physical protection. We don't necessarily think of protecting them in a spiritual sense. And I think that spiritual protection is a huge, a huge role that a man should have in those around him, especially his kids, um, if he has kids. And so, you know, and, and also it's crazy how Jesus was this perfect example of that, even though he didn't even have any children of his own, he was like, you could see it in the way he interacted with other children. Like he didn't take, he didn't even have to have his own kids to be able to see that. Yeah, Stephen, um, I'm thinking either Stephen read my notes or, you know, we just have the same brain or something's going on. Um, because in my notes I put, um, <clears throat> being a protector calls for more than just ensuring physical safety. Proverbs four ten through 15 describes a father who protects his son by passing on wisdom, helping him build godly character, and teaching him to reject the lies and temptations of the world. The father protects not only the son, but the generations to follow as wisdom, as the wisdom he shares gets passed on. So as the, like Stephen said, it's not just about the physical protection of his family, whereas that is very important for a biblical man to protect his family, but also passing on um, knowledge to his family is huge. And I think that, that Stephen nailed it better than I did there. Yeah, I mean, I also think that it's more than just physical protection. I mean, it's also like emotional protection, like Stephen said, spiritual protection as well. Yeah, uh, what, is a, what do you guys think a good way is? I mean, obviously, right, prayer is a good way to pray protection over your children. But, like, is there anything you guys implement in your lives on how to protect your sp- children spiritually? Like, what do you guys do? I, me being a new father, my baby's two months old. Um, I haven't really hit to the point where she's, you know, doing things that I don't approve of yet. Right. So how do I go about preparing to protect her spiritually with allowing her to still experience things in the world? Uh, what do you guys think? I think you have to just control the things that are put into her mind. You know, um, I mean, obviously you're not going to be able to control everything all the time, but until a certain age, and especially during these primary, um, like learning years, and when their their minds are so influenced, you have a responsibility to not let, you know, whether not let these the sins of this world take over their minds before. They even have a chance to, to understand what's going on. So, I mean, that could mean, like, unfortunately, that could mean, like, a lot of things as far as you can't let, you might have a certain family member that doesn't agree with the same things you do. I've been in that situation where we just have to say, hey, I'm sorry, you can't be around this person because, you know, you're at such a young and vulnerable age that this is not something that we can allow into your life. And that might be really hard decisions, but that's decisions you have to be and make that if you if you want to be a um, godly man and and control that situation. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. 
Do you do you guys think that um, w- w- what's the difference between? Because I mean, the world and and being a man has a lot of similarities, whether you're a godly man or just a man. Like, you know, the definite. I mean, I know the definition's changing, and I understand that. But like, what separates a godly man and a you know a godly masculinity versus an just traditional masculinity um i think david king david had the perfect example of this um in the bible he was talked about as a man after god's own heart and his deepest desire was to be in the presence of god i mean and that's why he wanted to build the temple and stuff and uh in Psalms 27, 4, it says, One thing I ask for from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think he's the example of what we should look at to be a godly man, just seeking God in, in all things and all the time. Yeah, there's a reason why he was called <clears throat> a man after God's own heart, right? Yeah. Um, so I think one of the, the a really big um, separator between um, biblical masculinity and um, um, traditional a traditional man is uh, biblical man, a biblical man, is going to put away childish things, whereas um, a traditional man may still have some childish tendencies within him. Not, I'm not saying all that all traditional men have childish tendencies, but isn't it like the stereotype that the guy is just going to, you know, he always just wants to hang out with his friends and, you know, just do all these things and he doesn't want to give up his childish ways. And I think that a biblical man, even though he may still want to hang out with his friends and do all the things and he might... He, he he definitely still should enjoy having fun. Um, his main focus shouldn't be his, his self or his his enjoyment or his fun anymore. Um, especially if he has a family, he should be preparing the way for his children. He should be praying for his children in their future, um, rather than worrying about childish things of this world. He should be focusing on his family and things on the life to come. Um, I think that it's so important that when we get to heaven, I think the ultimate goal in my life is that when I get to heaven, that I see my family there. Um, I don't want to get to heaven and, hey, I made it, yeah, but my kids didn't or my wife didn't. And I think that as a biblical man, we should lead our families in such a way that they have the same desires and they go after God the same way that we would want our, this, the way that we want them to go after God, we should go after God in front of them as an example. So that's what I think. Yeah. I mean, as you said, when you, uh, when a man grows up, he kind of puts away childish things and, you know, when you get married or when you have kids, you know, your priorities shift, you know, your priorities should shift towards, you know, your wife as a number one priority. And then when you have kids, you know, your kids become part of that priority as well. And it shouldn't be about fulfilling your needs and fulfilling your desires. <clears throat> it should be about what is your family need. And I think about Ephesians 5, uh, 25, 
and husbands, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So husbands should have their primary, you know, one of their priorities should be to serve their wife and pour into them as a servant leader should, which is kind of what we talked about last week. Yeah, I think that, I think that as you'll find out um, by listening to all of our episodes, all of our topics are going to tie in together in some way, shape, or form. And I think that Eric nailed it there, The one of the main aspects of being a biblical man and having biblical masculinity is servant leadership. And I know we talked about it last week, but it's so important that we just hone in on. In order to lead your family, you have to learn to serve your family and learn to lead anywhere in your in, around you, you have to learn to become a servant first. Um, I think that uh, another way that we can um, show biblical masculinity towards our family is, number one, is to lead our, ta- our family with intentionality. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says, do, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let, us, let your request be made known to God. And the peace that God of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. I think that we are supposed to lead intentionally. It's not that we just kind of wake up in the morning and then, hey, what am I going to pray over my kids about? We should already have that in our head. We should not go to bed at night not knowing in the morning what we're going to wake up and start praying about for our kids. We should think about it the night before. We should be thinking about it during the day. We should always be thinking about it. How can I lead my family in a better way? And it starts by reading the word. I think that that is one of the most important things that we can do. And to be honest with you guys, I still fall short in that area. I don't read the word as much as I should. And I think that um, that verse challenges me to want to read the word to become more intentional about leading my family. Yeah. Those are, that's a really good point there. Um, you know, I think a lot of times we we end up doing things because uh you know we we go to church we take our um you know kids to uh Sunday school and let you know we want them to learn from teachers and things like that but we do it not with intentionality like you were just saying and it's more of a checklist it's like hey you know we go to church this is what we do oh I can check that off the list we went to church now we, it you know it's Sunday evening Sunday night whatever we can do whatever we like not that we just do whatever we want, but we just kind of like, oh, I took my kids to church. Check. I'm, that's, that's my spiritual input for them for this week. And that's not intentional at all. That's I check something off the list so I can move on to what I want to move on to. And I think that's what, the trap that we fall into so easily is because we think that we're doing the right things. That somehow that makes us good, godly leaders and men in our home. Not really. If we're doing them just because for the sake of doing them and we're not doing them so that our kids actually learn something or, or have grow and grow with responsibilities, it doesn't really matter. Um, the next point I had on my list was um, don't back down from the enemy. But before I talk about that, let's, let's kind of take a step back and say what is the main enemy who is, I, I know, obviously, we obviously know that Satan is the main enemy against Christian man, but what do you guys start see as the main enemy or the main driving force against biblical masculinity in today's culture? 
I think it's ourselves, honestly. Okay. We get in the way too much. We overthink things and we try to do things. We try to be too perfect and we look at all the different things that we could do better all the time. We're constantly criticizing ourselves or putting ourselves down and looking back and saying, oh, we could do that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't look and try to make improvements, but sometimes we tear ourselves down so much internally and we are men, right? So we don't like to talk about things. We don't like to tell each other, hey, I'm struggling in this area. And so therefore we internalize everything until we just explode. And how does that come out? A lot of times it comes out with frustration with our families. Mm. Right? I mean, I don't know how you guys are, but that's how, that's how it happens for me. I bottle things up, bottle things up, bottle things up over and over and over. Eventually the bottle gets full and then pop. And then, oh, I'm back to empty and now I can do this again for a while. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, so what do you guys think about how the culture sees a biblical man? What, do you, what does the culture say about biblical masculinity in today's society? How is the enemy using cultural things, TV shows, um, men, like, like, <laughs> like, I can't stand it, right? But I see guys like Harry Styles, and he's one of the most famous guys in the world. He has so much influence, and he is the most feminine dude I've ever seen in my entire life. I'm like, dude, I, I I don't get it. How do we, how do we, how do you have that level of stature and you're not even going to act like a, a real man? I don't know. This just bugs me. But yeah, I mean, I think culture today is really attacking um, masculinity and basically calling it toxic. Mm. And I mean, there's a reason behind that, that. If is if they can destroy masculinity, then that affects so many areas of like so many areas in the family where the man is supposed to become or be masculine and if you can confuse people and then I mean it just it just destroys that whole concept. And I think a lot of people today in culture just don't even know what masculinity actually is because been talked about so much like being toxic and stuff, but Yeah, I think it's the great tactic of the enemy too. The enemy obviously is smart. If he can attack the, you know, he knows who the head of the house is. He knows that if he can tear down the man and what what the world what we think of as a man, if, then he can tear out the rest of the family. So that's where he started. He starts with tearing down the man first, and I think that that's very smart of him. But we have to counter whatever he throws at us with the word. We have to know the word. We have to throw it back at him. Do you know what the easiest way to tear down the the man is in our society? Is to convince the people that the men's role isn't really that important to begin with. Once they become idea, once they become comfortable with the idea that a man's role is just not really any more important than anything else, then when you take it away, they're like, oh well, it wasn't that important, so who cares? And they become comfortable with it. And they've been doing it for years and years and years. And now we're to the point where, oh, you're a father of three, you know, you're a father of three kids. Oh, you want to go marry a dude? That's fine. Go do that. And society is like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Like, no big deal. Why are we even questioning that? And now it's like, okay, if if we can't look at that and say something's not right there, something is wrong. I don't care what your beliefs are on anything. It doesn't matter. You can look at that and say, hey, some, you know, it just doesn't make any sense, 
right? Just from a common sense perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not a, just an overnight thing, like Stephen said. <clears throat> like this takes a long time to manifest. You know, it's a slow shift throughout the years. You know, take what's happening now, project it 20 years ago. People would be like, this is crazy. But it's that slow shift over the years where we've slid a little bit more and a little bit more where it just kind of everyone's like, yeah, whatever, it's fine. You know, and it's deviation from what scripture um, talks about, even in, in Genesis chapter one, you know, verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. I mean, from the beginning, we've been created as two distinct genders and and what's going on in society right now is just a deviation from that and a rejection of, of what the Bible says. And so that's why we have this situation where we're at, where we're like, well, we can just be whatever gender we want. Even if those genders don't exist. <laughs> the Bible is offensive and so are we. True. True. I mean, the Bible hasn't changed in, you know, the last thousand years, 1500 years. It's culture that's changed. Yeah. I think that if you're not, if, if, you, if you read the Bible and you think, man, that sounds great on every single thing that you hear, then you're not reading it with an objective lens. And I think that sometimes we're supposed to, maybe, man, maybe something is supposed to ruffle our feathers a little bit, right? Maybe, maybe we are meant to say, hey, hold on, wait a second. Um, what about that? Dig deeper into those things. I mean... There's parts of the Bible that, honestly, I don't understand. But but I know one thing. I know the Word of God is true, and I can stand on that. Even though I don't, may not understand it, it doesn't mean that there can't be a time in my life where I may understand it in the future date, and or I might have to have somebody explain it to me in a way that I can't understand. So I think there's always room to grow when you're reading the Bible there's always room to grow when, when, when something speaks to you. There's always room to grow on whatever it speaks to you at. Yeah, and I think that's an important part, Grant. Like, we don't have to know and understand the Bible completely in order to come to faith in Christ. Mm. Like, like you said, there's always room to grow. Mm. You know, we don't have to know it completely. Probably your entire life, really. Right. And yeah, yeah, I mean, we're never going to come to a point where I'm like, I knew everything in there. Like, you can memorize the entire Bible if you want. There's always something that you can learn. And it always applies differently depending on the situation of life you're in. Mm-hmm. You know, some verses you might read now and it doesn't really mean anything right now. And then 10 years from now in the situation you're in, you can be like, wow, that's exactly what I needed to know. Or here, you know, I just needed to read it again because that's why people are like, oh, I've read the Bible. I'm like, yeah, but have you read it in its entirety every day? Because every <laughs> single day is a different situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's why we go to church. Every week, my pastor has told me, has said many times, he's like, you come to church in order to be reminded why you need to read the Bible. You need to be reminded of why the gospel is here, why it's true. Because we forget. We walk out the doors and like an hour later, we, we can probably forget what we, we, talk, we talked about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's why we make podcasts so you can listen to them again. And again. And again. <laughs> and again. <laughs> Um, I think uh, a lot of everything we've been talking about boils down to humility. And I know we talked about that last week, but it all starts there because you can't, you can't learn if you're not going into it with a humble spirit saying, I don't know everything. You can't lead if you're not going into it with a humble spirit and saying, hey, 
it's not what's best for me. It's what's best for whoever you're leading. I can, I can keep going. I mean, every aspect, it literally starts with humility. If you're not humble enough to say, I don't have it all together. I'm trying to get there and I never will have it all together, but I'm going to keep working that way. You won't ever find success in whatever you're trying to be uh, in this situation. It's just being a um, godly man, a masculine man. Um, but it, you know, humility starts all of that. Yeah. Um, so Stephen and I had a different podcast called two beards, one mind. And today I really do think we have the exact same mind because the next note I had was be humble and learn from your mistakes. Um, Proverbs, this may sound like a weird verse, but hold, bear with me. Uh, Proverbs 26, 11 through 12 says like a dog that returns to his vomit, a fool does not, does the same thing. Same foolish things again and again. People who think they are wise when they are not are worse than fools. Uh, Proverbs twenty four sixteen says, For the righteous fall even seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. And I think that dog returning to his vomit is insanity. Like, why would you go back to your own vomit, right? And if you can't learn from your mistakes, you're going to be just like that dog. You're just going to keep on coming back and back, and you're going to keep on going back into the same mistakes. And I think that it's important that we live humbly and we learn from our mistakes and we grow forward and we move forward in leading our family. And it goes back to leading intentionally. You have to learn from your mistakes to lead intentionally. I think this is one of the main things that we need to learn. So, Yeah, and uh, the only way that you're going to learn from your mistakes you're not likely to learn from your mistakes if you don't in if everything's kept internal. So that's why it's important if you aren't like part of a small group that meets or something like that. It's important to be a smart of a part of a small group of people or men really that you can get around and they can support you and they can tell you, Hey, I'm or I, You can say I'm going through this thing and have confidence that they're going to say, okay. And they can walk you through it and have like a, you know, like you have your back a little bit. If you don't tell anybody, you're going to keep struggling with the same sin. It's just, that's, you know, there isn't, it's very difficult to get out of a sin if you are the only one who knows. Because guess what? If you get over that sin and you accomplish it, six months from now when you're thinking, oh, look, I did a great job. I got over this thing, blah, 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 whatever it is. But you never told anybody you even had this problem to begin with. And then it creeps back up and you start indulging in this sin just a little bit. And it's like, what did you overcome? You don't feel like you really made it anywhere. But if you have a group of people around you, they can be like, look, look how far you've come and look, you know, they can support you in that time instead of you falling back in getting torn down and tearing yourself to pieces over your mistakes. Now you have a group of people around you that can help you um, realize how far you've come and how much farther you can still go. Um, one of the last points I have is um, to be a godly man the main thing I think that we need to learn is we need to seek after God with all with all of our heart Deuteronomy 4 29-31 says but if you there seek the Lord your God you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul um, when you are in a stress and all these things have happened to you then in later days you will return to the Lord your God and obey him I think that not just as men, I think that in general, everybody, if you're not seeking after God with your whole heart, what are you doing? And I know that is may sound that may sound harsh, 
if you're not doing it, what are you doing? Reevaluate. I'm speaking to myself too. Um, because ultimately we only have a certain amount of time on this earth. And when we stand before God and we can say we did all of these things, right? But God's, if you didn't seek after God with your whole heart and you didn't follow what he wanted to do, guess what? You might say, apart from me, I never knew you. So I think it's so important that we seek after him with everything that we have. And sometimes it may upset other people. We talked about that earlier. Um, it's not going to be comfortable always. It's not going to be comfortable to be a biblical, to live out in biblical masculinity, to lead your family. And although it may be uncomfortable, I'd rather live in uncomfort now than whenever I get to heaven and have the uncomfort of God saying, depart from me. I don't want that. So, yeah, honestly, um, you speak about uncomfortability. That's really one of the things that um, we, we were having a struggle when we started this podcast was, you know, we don't really know. We're a little uncomfortable with this. We don't really know. We're not teachers. We're not experts. So, you know, we've read the Bible. We're Christians. We love God. But we're no, we're just regular guys, you know, trying to do the right thing. What power do we really have? What authority do we really have to speak into other people's lives and tell them what to do? And, or not tell them what to do, but tell them, you know, how we live and why it's important that I, we think they should live like that. And so, um, you know, I think it's just important to realize that, you know, uncomfortability, which is where we were at at the beginning of this, and maybe where Eric and Sean were coming onto this, they've never done this. And, you know, this is not exactly one of the podcast, you know, this isn't something that you would just jump in and, you know, oh, it's such a great, fun thing. Like, it, it's a serious topics we're talking about. And I think that us taking the stance of being uncomfortable, you know, doing this is we're it's showing that we're we're all for growing in what God has called us to do. Because this wasn't exactly my first choice of podcasts, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, <clears throat> with the last few minutes here, I want to kind of shift, maybe flip the uh, on the flip side of the coin here. When we're talking about biblical masculinity. Um, what about ways in which people have used biblical masculinity to kind of force people to do what they want to do? So, for instance, um, this over this summer, the, uh, this new series came out on one of the streaming services called Shiny Happy People. That talked about uh, the Duggar family and what they went oh. through. And um, <clears throat> it has to do with this organization called IBLP, I think. And essentially what this organization did and taught was that men were the absolute authority in a family and that women are supposed to be in a hundred percent submission to, um, to the, to the husband and then the children to be in submission to the husband as well. And so it kind of creates this authoritarian type of leadership at home, which is absolutely not part of what we're talking about today. What do you get? Do you guys have any thoughts about, about that? Um, this is my first time hearing about any of that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'd, yeah, I'm not. I mean, I I've heard of it, but that's I'm not real familiar with any of it either. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know that was a thing. So, uh, um, I I've never heard of it either. But I can see that um, what 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 Eric was getting at is people. What I can say is, I can be responsible for myself and my actions. Other people may choose to use religion quote-unquote religion because i don't think that if you're think if you are to the point where 
your wife submits to everything you say, no matter what, and then you're going out and doing things that are against the word of God, then then, then that's not that's not a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's religion. That's religious. And I think that uh, people can use religion in all kinds of ways. And I don't want to be known personally. I don't want to be known for being a religious person. I want to be known for having a relationship with Jesus Christ and not the religious aspects of it. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the the power of of the religion in that situation and how that goes. I mean, just think about like all these big cults. Um, I forgot the guy's name that you know um, made everybody drink all the Kool Aid. Uh, I'm sure there's a couple of those. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, and you sit there and think, well, where did like where did that power come from? What what allowed him to have that power? And it's become because I mean, you can see it's a dominating controlling situation which we don't want to be in and i mean obviously i don't think that you controlling your family is the same thing as killing 900 people or whatever he did Mm -hmm. but i mean it's really just about the situation you're in you know you can control what your situation you're in and so i don't know i just i don't really know how i feel about that yeah i mean basically it's just a selfish act that you're trying to use the bible to back you up and Mm-hmm. And that's just not right. Yeah. Bringing it back one more time. Lead with humility. If they would have led with humility, a lot of that stuff would have mm-hmm. not happened. So. Yeah. And I mean, also speaking to um, what Sean was kind of saying there is using the Bible, twisting it to say kind of what you want it to say or what you think it should, you know. I mean, you can take the Bible out of context and make it say just about anything you want. I mean, it's really it's such a broad book with so many different topics that if you really just want to take, uh, you know, you don't want to include any of the historical facts about what was going on in the time or whatever is pertinent to that situation. You can pretty much, you know, you can make your, any religion can sound like a terrible thing if they use, I mean, it sounds like a great thing if they use the Bible, but they can be doing terrible things if they're just taking the Bible out of context. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Context is king. I think I think in in the end you always have to look back to the role that Jesus played when he was here on earth and I mean he he was the essence of a, a masculine man with just a tender heart towards the people around him yeah I've got I've got a list here of, of some things um, so it says here Jesus was unafraid to show his emotions yet he was willing to chase crooks out of a temple with a whip he cared for the needs of others, demonstrated compassion, sensitivity, forgiveness, and humility. At the same time, he exhibited bravery, righteous confrontation, proper judgment, boisterousness, self-control, and even playfulness. Yeah. So he was a, he had a well-rounded kind of aspect of who he was as a man. Um, somebody want to round us out with a prayer? Um, yeah. Also, do not forget to email us, please, if you have any um, thoughts about this episode or any other episodes. Um, you know, we would really value feedback as far as maybe potential future topics. You know, it would help us. Um, we, we do we put a lot of time and effort into these, and uh, we want to be putting effort into things that you guys want to hear. Um, so if you could, you know, if you have any thoughts at all, just email us at uh, NMTC for no matter the cost dot podcast at gmail.com nmtc dot podcast at gmail.com okay grant's gonna close this out in a prayer all right cool 
Um, God, thank you for um, being the example of the perfect, yet yet the perfect man. God, you you you're so well rounded. You had humility, um, but yet you were bold. You didn't back down from the enemy, God. And so I guess pray that you give us the strength that whenever things arise in our lives, that we aren't going to back down from what the culture says that we are supposed to be, God, but we are going to look towards you to who we should be. Um, Give us the strength to become the men and the leaders that you have called us to be. I pray that you continue to just keep us under your protection, Lord, as we continue to work on this podcast, that we will grow and that we will continue to just fall deeper in love with you. Um, That's our ultimate goal. We just want to love you, Lord, and want to use whatever you have for us, um, for others. And so I just pray all this in your name. Amen.